Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Howdy. Thanks so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and it is my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. This show is proud to be a part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. So if ag podcasts and YouTube vlogs are your thing, head over to farmruralag.com and check those out. Hey, uh, really excited about this show today. If you're like me, you dream of perhaps someday owning farmland for yourself. Um, Maybe it's just something that seems really far off because of the high barriers to entry to get into farmland. Or, Or maybe you are an accredited investor and just looking to diversify your portfolio. Just not quite sure the easiest way to do that short of showing up at a farm auction uh, in a rural town you've never been to before, which uh, would just kind of be awkward. So our guest on the show today is Chris Raleigh. He's the founder of Harvest Returns, which is a crowdfunding platform for investing in farmland. I'm sure you have seen the recent influx of crowdfunding platforms, everything from Kickstarter to GoFundMe, and there's just a bunch of them out there. Uh, and what they capitalize on is the fact that on one hand, you have people that, that need money and maybe aren't able to get it the traditional means or, or have reasons of their own why they don't want to get it through traditional um, sources of capital. On the other side, you have people like ourselves that either would love to have a, a manageable entry point into investing into something as great as farmland or accredited investors that are just looking for a connection point in order to diversify their portfolio into farmland. Now, many of you are probably coming at this from kind of Midwest uh, corn, beans, wheat type country, and I encourage you to expand your thinking because you may be thinking, wow, I know what farmland goes for in this area. I know what the price of corn is today. Who in their right mind would want to do this? Uh, But the truth is, and you're going to hear this from Chris, there are a lot of alternative crops that uh, actually uh, are a great fit for a platform like this. So I really enjoyed this chat with Chris. I think you will too. Here is my conversation with Chris Raleigh, the founder of Harvest Returns. Well, yeah, we've got Chris Raleigh here on the show. Chris is the founder of Harvest Returns which uh, is a crowdfunding platform for agriculture to help people invest in agriculture. Uh, Chris, am I getting that right so far? Yeah, you sure are. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pleasure. So tell us a little bit to start here. Uh, the, the, you know, you sit down next to somebody on an airplane and they ask, well, what is harvest returns? Just kind of give us the, the basics. So at its most simplest, what we are is a online platform for investing in agriculture. Agriculture Uh, Obviously, a very old, important industry, and what we're doing is combining that with equity crowdfunding, which is pretty much the newest way to raise capital, and we enable people to come onto the platform, look at investments, and invest with a small amount of money and get uh, more connected to the food system, more connected to agriculture, and diversify their portfolios is something that most people generally don't think about when they think about investing. So uh, you you said a small amount of money. Uh, Who are your target investors here? Are we talking like institutional people who are running funds or are we talking like, hey, I ended up this year with an extra thousand bucks. I wonder if I can 
you know, throw it in kind of like I do with uh, another crowdfunding site? Somewhere in the middle of those two. Um, so we're, we're definitely talking to um, some private equity funds and, and we're actually helping some of those funds raise, raise larger amounts of money. But uh, we are geared more towards high net worth individuals who want to diversify their portfolios. But that said, our deals are available. Not all of our deals, you need to be an accredited investor. And, and some of your listeners probably have heard, you know, about what an accredited investor, not sure what, what that is. It's generally a person who has over a million dollars investable net worth. So some of our deals that they're on a platform do require you to be an accredited investors, but, but some of them don't. So the, our investment minimums are low. There are some other agriculture investment opportunities out there. Some of those, uh, you can invest in a portion of a, for, a farm. Uh, but those minimums are, are generally closer to $100,000 and up or $50,000 and up. So this is a way to come in at, at a $5,000 mark, uh, $5,000, $10,000. So if you are, if you do have a, a, a great, a large portfolio, that's great, but you've never invested in agriculture, you can come and kind of dip your toes in the water with us. Or if you're, you've got an IRA, 401k, uh, got some money set aside and you're just interested in diversifying that, maybe you've invested in real estate, maybe. Uh, you just want to kind of get get a little bit closer and find out a little bit more about this investment class. You can come in with with five thousand dollars or so and just see what it's about. And you're not putting a whole lot of um, your net worth at risk. You're you're just looking in a smaller amount. And and to be clear here, all of these we're talking about are are farms, right? I mean, we're not investing in uh, ag tech startups or or corporate agribusinesses. They're actual farms. Is that right? That's exactly right. So some some people may have heard of Ag Funder. It's great, great, more established website. It's been out there for a few years and they are focused on ag tech. What Harvest Returns is, is purely a focus on production agriculture. So anything you can grow that people eat, fibers, livestock, uh, other crops that uh, row crops, specialty crops, even timber are all types of deals that we've either listed on a platform or we're currently in discussion with those those growers. Okay. So uh, so let's say I have a lot more money than I do in real life um, and I, mm-hmm. I'm an accredited investor because I have a mm-hmm. million dollars in, in net worth and I love agriculture, which I that part is true. And I wanted to invest, you know, what is that? A half a percent of my net worth. So 5,000 bucks. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that might be the right math in into uh, agriculture. I would go to your website and I would I would create a an account. You would somehow verify that I am indeed an accredited investor and not just the real Tim Hamrich and investing everything I own into this. Um, and uh, and then I could browse potential farms to invest in. Is that right? Yeah. So you what you're you're you log onto the website just like you said. You get access to view the deals. These, the way these deals are structured is they're private placements. So generally a private placement, it's, it's, you know, there's a publicly traded stock and privately traded stocks, and these are privately traded, privately owned. They're owned um, in, by, in some cases, the farmers are going to own an interest in it, uh, but you're basically pooling your money with other investors to take an equity stake. In, in these deals. And yes, you can look at the deals you, online. You're looking at the market information, the deals, financials. Uh, generally, in every deal, we put a, hey, if I invest my 5000 or my $10,000, what are my potential returns going to be? And these returns are all based on the financial projections that the farmer, uh, the growers have put together and what your expected returns are over the next few years. And then you're able to 
Uh, like any investment, there's risk. You need to review the documents just like you review the prospectus of a mutual fund or you review the company reports, annual reports before you invest in a stock. Uh, you need to review all the documentation, understand the risk, know the risk, and then uh, you can electronically sign, electronically transfer the money, and then once the farm is operating, uh, say a year down the road, it's time for your first distribution as the, as the crops are harvested. You're going to get a wire transfer into your account of your dividends, and you're also going to receive updates, both financial and otherwise, on how the farm is performing. And then you'll receive your tax documents that everybody likes to get at the end of the year, telling them how much money they owe Uncle Sam. And sure. that's, that's basically it. It's a, it's a one-stop shop. We like to say one-stop shop for investing in agriculture, and we've, we've automated it to the extent that we can. Okay, and as a as a potential investor, what ins- what assurances do I have that that farm will be well managed? Like, how do I know it's not just um, somebody who got this wild hair about going out to the country and starting a farm, and and all of a sudden that's the guy I'm investing in who has no clue what he's doing? That's a great question. So we get we get an awful lot of inquiries from farmers uh, from all over the world, actually, who want to raise anything from a couple thousand dollars to tens of millions of dollars. And that's it's really rewarding to see, you know, from a, an, a, our standpoint of, hey, we put something together. There's a significant demand for on the farmer side. But what we do is we bet these deals. So uh, all the deals that we've we've got on the website, we either met with a farmer, we visited the farms. Um, what we're doing is we're looking at that, that farmer's track record. Is this somebody who's, who's just a hobby farmer or who's never grown anything? Or is it a professional management syndicate who uh, has, has you know, deep relations with the ag community and they've got professional farm managers? Um, you know, we work with both individual farmers and sort of corporate people who have put together um, a management team to hire a, a farmer to actually grow the crop. So uh, criteria besides the, the farmer we're looking at is what's the what are the financials look like what's the market uh, appetite for a particular crop what's where's that crop in a market cycle is if it is something more commodity based and then what's the likelihood of the farmer being able to create the returns that he's promising to the investors and any risk associated with that and all that's laid out in the documents that we put together on each deal so it's we try to be as, as transparent as we possibly can so that the investors know not only what the potential rewards are, but what the potential risks are with their investment. And, and would I know as an investor, like, okay, I'm putting in $5,000, uh, I own a certain amount of acres, or I, I know I own a certain percentage of a farming operation, which includes these, you know, listed assets. How's that part work? Yeah, it's, generally you're going to own an interest in the, in the farm uh, or the farming company. You know, and when I say farm, it's, it just depends. So we're doing in some, it's a, a simple, basically a land deal um, where you're going to own, own some land that's going to be farmed or, or leased, um, you know, rent it out to somebody in, in other portions. You're owning a more sort of capital intensive um, development sort of project. We're, we're working on a couple different development projects right now. One is with a hydroponics grower who's going to grow organic produce and there's, you know, so that's fairly capital intensive to set that up and other, in other places it's, you know, the, the, the farmer's got the land, the farmer's got a uh, kind of small scale operation going and they just need capital to scale up and in- increase that. And so it's, 
it's it varies from deal to deal and all that again is, is kind of laid out in the, the documents sure and and, w- and what's the big compelling reason for the farmer not to just go down uh, to farm credit and take out a loan instead actually give up some of their ownership in their farming operation in order to get this money yeah so it, it really varies um, we've had uh, a variety of different people so so some of the people that are approaching us are, are young farmers or maybe multi-generational maybe they grew up on a farm um, and they their family had been renting a, a piece of land and now all of a sudden that land becomes available as, as the landlord retires and they just want to you know sell the land um, but these these younger farmers they either really don't have the credit established because they just don't have the track record on their own or on owning the land themselves and, and farming it themselves uh, in some cases, it's because they've got significant student loans and they're coming out of college. And so we're an alternative source of capital from your traditional high credit. The other sort of situation we see typically is with is more with the specialty crops, such as tree crops, where uh, it's just hard to get a traditional high credit, something that you're, you're going to grow, that you're going to plant a tree. You may not, like an almond, pecan, orchard, you may not see a return from that for four or five or eight years. And so on these sort of specialty crops where there's some upfront capital and, and patience involved, uh, investors, uh, depending on their goals, they have that patience. You know, a lot of investors are in, in it for the long term, uh, legacy family investments, that sort of things. Whereas a farm, I mean, excuse me, an ag credit uh, traditional source doesn't, lender doesn't necessarily have that patience. They need to get their their debt service right away. Um, and if you're not producing an annual crop um, the first year or two, then that's not necessarily attractive for a, for an ag credit uh, to lend on. So we are, we're definitely getting the investment or the interest from these farmers. I'd say the third situation is, is overseas capital. So yeah, we're, we're very lucky here in the U.S. that we've got a you know pretty established and federally subsidized ag credit system, but uh, many countries do not. So we are getting a lot of interest from overseas farmers who are, are experienced and who know what they're doing and they have uh, viable deals. They just don't have access to capital to, to do that. So it's it's been great to see all these different sort of case studies and how we can help a farmer get onto his or her own land and, and start growing food. That's, that's really neat. Yeah. Y- you've got a, well, you are tackling, I should say, a problem that that has been discussed on this podcast with other people in the past, which is a two-sided marketplace. And starting a two-sided marketplace comes with its own unique set of challenges. For, for, how did you handle that? I mean, uh, what I mean by two-sided marketplace for, for those listening is, you know, you not only, you needed kind of in lockstep investors and deal flow at the same time. And when you're kind of launching out of nowhere, that's extremely hard to do. How, how did you approach that problem? So we focused on the deal flow initially. Um, we went to ag shows. We got we got smart on on the marketplace, and we we tuned up our our marketing and our our sales to bring in that deal flow. And that's that's great. And now we're focused on bringing in the investment side. And it is two, as you said, two sided market, two completely different um, marketplaces. And we see it as kind of our mission to tie tie those two together. Uh, one, I think it's important that people understand where their food comes from. There's a lot of that these days with uh, a lot of efforts towards that direction these days, the whole farm to table movement. And, and you know, people want to know where where their food is grown and how it's grown and, and what's in it. And, and that's important. And, you know, one of the ways you can do that is, is to Put, put some of your money where your mouth is and in, invest in it, just like you might invest in, you know, say Apple stock because you love your iPhone. Well, everybody not only needs to eat, but they love to eat. So we're, we're all about connecting people to their food source. Very cool. And, and so uh, the, the big question I haven't asked yet, but, but here it is. 
How does Harvest Returns make money? So what we are is primarily a listing service. So we're not a broker dealer. Um, We don't take a commission based on contingency of raising these deals. So there's ag investment banks out there. I believe you uh, you've talked to some of those. There's there's private equity funds out there. Uh, they raise money and they they're generally going to take take a commission when they do deals. What we do is we take a listing fee. So we um, basically make these opportunities available to our investor pool, and we also are able to take um, what's called a carry percentage, where we're actually going to own per, uh, percentage in some of these deals as they close. And then so we'll be taking the same risk and receiving the same rewards as the investor pool. Uh, although harvest returns, we don't, we don't manage these deals. We're, we're more of an asset manager. So we work with the farmers, the producers to ensure that they're sort of on track to meet their, their goals. We're not, we're not unlike some of the other ag investment um, companies out there. We're not buying land ourselves and hiring somebody to manage it. We're just not in that business. We're more of an intermediary and in providing these opportunities for investors. Okay. So if uh, this seems like, uh, and I can relate to this in recruiting, where the effort starts on your end and when you actually get paid uh, could be could be a, a long distance away, or at least like if you're analyzing a deal for deal, you know, for a potential listing um, and, you know, maybe it ends up being not the right fit or you guys can't agree on on the right valuation or whatever the case may be. Um, you kind of end up with nothing or or if, if it does get listed, then you finally get paid kind of as you start that that management and growth process. Uh, how, how are you guys managing that? I'm, I, this is personal curiosity because cash flow is tough with, in businesses like this. It is. Um, so yeah, we've, we've started making revenue. The company, I've been a long-term real estate investor and the company is basically, you know, kind of funded with, with my seed capital. I guess I'm sort of older than the average entrepreneur, but, um, we're, we're managing that, you know, it's a, it's a tightrope. You've got to, uh, close deals and you've also got to bring in the investors and you've got to market and there's costs and you've got to keep the lights on and all that. So it's, it's a typical, um, startup struggle challenge. And, uh, we like that. We like, uh, the, we like the challenge. We like the, you know, kind of day to day. It's never, never the same thing. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, and, and, and all that said, we are looking for investors in the company. So we're looking for our, to raise a series A round. Um, and if there's any venture capitalists listening, we, we'd love to talk to you. Cool. Well, tell, tell me more about your background, Chris. So h- how did you come to this idea? Uh, you said you're from real estate backgrounds so you understand real estate investing, which is obviously a huge part of investing in farms. Uh, but uh, h- how did you kind of come to this problem and, and decide that this is the one you wanted to dedicate your time to solving? Right. So it's uh, kind of a long, windy path to, to getting me to start this company uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, my background, I, I grew up uh, kind of a city boy, not really a, a farmer here in, here in North Texas. Um, did go to an ag school, so I was kind of surrounded by a lot of people who were, were ag-inclined in my, my college days. And then I, I got commissioned and went to the military. Um, served uh, on active duty uh, in various places on a destroyer and in the Pentagon. And then uh, I have also served for about 25 years total in the active and reserves in the, in the Navy. But um, on the civilian side, I worked a uh, commercial real estate company right after I left the Navy. Uh, so that kind of got me the real estate bug. I started investing in my own account in real estate over the past uh, 17 or 18 years or so. Um, played with a lot of different types of real estate, residential, commercial, uh, and then a few years back got into to the agriculture um, space, 
just started to see that uh, one because the, the sort of the investing that I was doing on the real estate side, I felt that market was maybe a little bit oversaturated. So I was looking for something new. And came across real estate and started buying. Um, bought, bought a little raw land and then bought sort of what a turnkey farming operation um, interest down in uh, Central America. And, and while I was down there in 2016, I was kind of looking at that and I had learned about uh, equity crowdfunding and how that's changing the face of real estate investing and sort of disrupting the real estate financing industry. And just sort of this bolt of lightning hit me to combine these two ideas. And so I brought on co-founder Austin Manis. Uh, a couple summers ago, he's also got a military background and uh, a lot of international experience. And we uh, started the, started the company that way. Very cool. Well, thank you uh, on behalf of everyone listening. Thank you for your service. That's that's really really impressive. Um, and and you had, if I'm understanding right, 25 years in in the Navy, active duty. Yeah, actually, still active in reserve. I'm uh, actually still a reserve, a captain in the Navy Reserve. So I still find myself overseas in interesting places a few times a year. Um, and the one thing that I, I, you know, another thing that I guess kind of brought me to this idea is every place I go, and I've been to some really desolate and war-torn places in Africa and the Middle East and Afghanistan and places like that. Every place I go, people are growing something. People are raising livestock because people have to eat. So it's agriculture is really ubiquitous, but it's not, you know, as an investment class, it's not something that the average person really thinks about. And that's, just these ideas kind of uh, came together in my head to, to make agriculture part of people's, uh, it already is part of people's daily lives, but it's to make it part of people's financial lives. Do you think there will come a, a time when the accredited investor thing is not a barrier you need to overcome uh, as far as like, maybe they'll make an exception for agriculture or maybe, you know, they'll loosen those regulations. What, what are your thoughts there? Or is that even really a big deal? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of investors that have a million dollars or more net worth. Um, how are you looking at that thing? Yeah. So we actually, I mean, we have deals on the platform right now where you do not have to be an accredited investor. We, they allow, uh, it's, it's, I won't get too much detail into the sort of securities regulations, but there's something called the reg, regulation D 506 B and it allows you to bring on up to 35 non-accredited investors for every deal. So we have a couple deals right now live. You can go and if you're not accredited, you can look at them and, invest in them on the platform with some stipulations. Um, one of those stipulations is we have to have a pre-existing relationship and that's, you know, the way the STC defines that is, is not very firm. Uh, but in any event, the, we, we do want to offer deals to um, more retail investors at some point as we grow, we intend to, um, to do what's called regulation a plus, which enables you to, raise pretty large amounts of money up to $20 million and bring in what are called retail investors. That's basically just anybody. And the investments on that could be, uh, you know, $500 or a thousand dollars or so. So it's much more in the realm of just somebody that's got some sort of extra cash laying around and wants to put it to work, um, you know, doing something real, investing in a real asset. This is exactly you know, what we're doing. I think it's new in the agriculture space, but it, it's not new or it's, it's only fairly new in, in the real estate space. So there's, actually dozens and dozens of crowdfunding platforms, equity crowdfunding platforms out there um, for real estate. You can invest in various types of real estate, either office buildings or single family home fix and flips and apartment buildings. And they're all, they're all doing pretty well. So we're, we're the same, same model, just, just with the uh, production agriculture. Very cool. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to check, check those out. Um, you, I know you've got some active listings. How many deals so far have closed? I know you're, you're pretty new. 
We are new. So we helped a, uh, a farmer close on a pretty well. He's a farmer, but he's also a pretty sophisticated businessman. Close on a, a, a fund who's just about to close. I don't want to go into specifics on that one because mm-hmm. he's still working on close that one. But we brought in some investors on on a pretty sizable raise um, on a, on a farmland fund. We've got two. Uh, well, actually, three active deals on the platform right now that that have started funding, and uh, they're open for the next few months. And, and we'd love to see um, them close pretty quickly. And then we have a uh, pretty significant deal flow of a variety of different deals that are going to be launched here over the next several months um, to give. Basically, if people are looking for higher return, higher higher risk situations, there'll be those sorts of deals and um, more manageable risk uh, with a lower expected return. There'll be those sorts of deals on a variety of different crop types, uh, be it timber lamb, um, specialty crops, not doing a whole lot with row crops, mostly because as, as I mentioned, those guys have pretty good access to traditional ag credit, but, but on a specialty crop, um, we, we've got some really interesting things brewing. Uh, we're talking to some folks doing aquaculture. We're talking uh, to some folks doing hydroponics, so there's a lot of a lot of the sort of ag tech new new sorts of uh, food production technology where we we've, we've heard from a lot of those guys and we definitely want to help them um, raise money and and you know bring bring more farmers into the keep farmers farming but also bring uh, new farmers into the space. Very cool. And for 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 new ventures that are maybe trying to kind of disrupt an industry or or just are taking a different approach, and especially for those outside of the country, how do you assess um, sort of kind of multiples, like I, I would imagine a safer bet would be some guy who owns a bunch of citrus groves in, in Bakersfield, California and wants to throw another mm-hmm. one on. Like we're, we're pretty, we're pretty sure he knows what he's doing and you know, mm-hmm. we have a good history of returns for somebody who wants to start aquaculture in, and I'm, I'm using a really just random example. Somebody wants to start aquaculture in Kenya um, we don't have really a precedent of like assuredness that that's going to work. So how do we determine, like, I would think my $5,000 should go a lot further with that person than, you know, somebody who's got mm-hmm. a track record. How does that all work? Yeah. I mean, when, when dealing with, with sort of overseas deals, you, you got to have a presence on the ground. You've got to have a trusted partner. Um, that's not to say that, that there aren't any, it just, it just makes it more challenging to build those relationships. It's not like I can, I, we're dealing with a farmer that's about an hour and a half away from our office and I can, you know, drive up and right. visit his farm and, and eat lunch with him or whatever. You know, so Africa is, is definitely a space we want to get into. Um, there's, there's people doing a lot of agriculture uh, at the institutional level, investing in agriculture uh, in the, in those emerging markets, Africa, India, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe. And, and we want to be in that business eventually, um, but we want to do it correctly and we want to be deliberate about it and, and cautious about it and make sure we have relationships and, and can do that due diligence with those people. For instance, the one deal that I, I, I mentioned before, it was with a guy who was working in an emerging market in South America, but, in, but this guy was an Iowa farmer and he'd be an Iowa farmer for five generations uh, of a family. And he'd spent, you know, I think 12 years down on the ground in Brazil. So he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the kind of partners we're, we're looking to, to align with for these emerging market opportunities. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And, and, uh, let's say a couple of years in, um, I, I've, I'm happy with everything, but you know what, this Bitcoin is really taking off. I think I want to pull my money out and put it all, on, put it all on Bitcoin. Uh, how do I get out? 
Right. So, so each deal has a, has a different sort of exit horizon, a different exit strategy, and that's all, you know, presented as, as you review the deals. But, uh, obviously agriculture is a pretty long-term investment. You know, it's not, it's not a stock where you can trade into and out of. And, and that's, so the liquidity of the investment, that's sort of a double-edged sword. On one hand, uh, yeah, if you want your money tomorrow and you're in a deal, one of these private placements deals, whether it's agriculture or real estate or whatever, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, on the other hand, if the stock market tanks tomorrow or Bitcoin tanks tomorrow, uh, your farm investment's just going to keep humming along. So we are looking at ways, uh, in some cases, that the, the exit strategy is, is all spelled out and predicated on being able to refinance the land and buy out the equity investors at a, at a certain, you know, so many years from now at a certain point. Uh, in, in some cases, I think there'll eventually be a more liquid private um, placement market, which either via our own platform or via others or other mechanisms that will enable people, if you have an interest in a private placement deal like ours, because there's so many uh, people doing it in real estate as well, that there's, there's kind of a demand for that where you'll be able to cash out your investment. It may not be you know, with a click of a button, but it, it would certainly be, um, you know, something that will enable you to get out sooner. But the yeah, bottom line is agriculture is for people with long-term investment horizons. So if you need your money, you know, three weeks from now, um, don't, don't put, don't put it into, uh, our deals. Okay. It makes sense. And, and uh, I've ha- I have some friends that, uh, we have had many, a, kind of a dreaming conversation about, we would love to start kind of a private equity type fund and invest in um, rural America, which would include, you know, farms at, at times. Uh, yeah. We could potentially use harvest returns as our deal flow. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we could, we would, I think maybe when we reverse that, uh, we, we could either bring you the investors or yeah, you could come to our, we've got actually both sides of it because we've got a significant deal flow. Not all of it at, uh, at this point can we handle, um, but we are. We could also work with PE funds to help them raise money uh, as our investor pool grows and as our you know depth and, and breadth of investors and family offices and high net worth individuals and things like that grow. And so we we certainly like talking to people like that because um, you know people that have a background in ag and a, and a good idea and a, you know maybe a good deal opportunity or, or have some, you know, have a, have a line on, on a, you know, piece of land or an operation that's undervalued or a, a hot new industry or whatever that could bring investors returns and make everybody money. Um, we, we like, we, we like those things. Well, cool. okay. So yeah, you, you would then kind of serve as an intermediary for the private equity fund, uh, theoretically to get mm-hmm. them investors, which I would imagine that would be a different arrangement because, um, mm-hmm. fit in your normal kind of business model, it doesn't seem, um, and then, and then also, the deal flow as well. Um, Chris, this has been, this has been interesting. I, I think it's uh, it is a fascinating concept and what I applaud you for more than anything is, is executing. You know, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who thought, Oh yeah, crowdfunding and agriculture, you know, the two should go hand in hand. But I know from, from starting businesses myself, it's, it's a lot harder in practice than it is in concept. So I applaud you for the work you and your team are doing and actually making this happen and putting these deals together and making investors some money and farmers giving them an alternative source for capital. So this is cool. Is, is there anything, um, because I'm such a novice with this stuff, is there anything that I didn't get a chance to ask you about that you, you think would be helpful to those listening? No, it's, it's definitely, um, we covered a lot of ground. It's, it's definitely a lot of, of education on both the part of the farmers. Um, raising money is not easy. Raising equity funding is not easy. As, as, and that's one of those learning curves that we've hopefully climb to the top of uh, ourselves. So if you think you're a farmer and you go out and start a fund, it's, it's not something 
that's all that easy to do and we we make that easier for you and on on the education on the investor side we just want to bring like i said bring investors closer to their food source and teach them a little bit about agriculture and how to make money with crops instead of stocks so um and we have all those resources on the website there's the blog and social media and all those things and we try to put you know, as much helpful information and connect other resources as we can out there. Great. Well, Chris, thank you very much. If somebody does want to reach out to you, it's just harvestreturns.com. Is that right? Harvestreturns.com. Yep. Easiest way is to get on there, look around the website and register and you get access to the deals. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those sorts of things. Cool. Well, in the future, I would love to, I don't know if this violates any policy of harvest returns, but I would love to to bring on a farmer and an investor uh, that, that connected through harvest returns to chat and get both of their perspectives of kind of how it all went down. So maybe we'll put that uh, out there for the future. I think that's a great idea, Tim, and we, we'd love to do it. All right, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris. Uh, Certainly an interesting concept uh, that I could definitely see, uh, especially in some of those alternative crops, a great way to get uh, capital connected with the people who can really put it to use. Uh, I'm curious, would, would you use a platform like this? Why or why not? Hit me up on Twitter. I am at Tim Hammerich there. Hey, thank you so much for those of you who have rated and reviewed this podcast on iTunes. It uh, certainly does help spread the word. If you haven't taken the 30 seconds yet to do that, find Future of Agriculture on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Just leave us a favorable rating and review so that people can know uh, this is a source of great agricultural content. Super excited about another upcoming series. If if you're with us through blockchain, thank you. Uh, Our next one's entitled Sustainability at Scale, asking the question of what are those new ideas in agriculture that can truly move the needle when it comes to sustainability. And that's defined very broadly, everything from environmental to economic and kind of everywhere in between. So anyway, stick with us. I hope you'll enjoy that series as well. Thank you again to Chris Raleigh for being on the show. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com. That's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.